more pillars of creation, a meteor shower and a total lunar eclipse, a fresh crater on Mars, and a tree ring record of powerful radiation storms. All this and more in this week's episode of Space Bites. Hi everyone, I'm Fraser Kane. I'm the publisher of Universe Today. I've been a space and astronomy news journalist for over 20 years, and this is our Space Bites, our short bite-sized pieces of information about space and astronomy news that's happening this week. All right, let's get into the news. Even more pillars of creation. It's funny, I get all of these comments from people here on YouTube, I get them on Twitter, I get emails, people are asking me, where are all the pictures from JWST? Are you crazy? Like we've been reporting on sometimes one to two pictures every week that we do Space Bites, even more stories on Universe Today. And like we haven't even gotten into the main science results yet. This is mostly just us digging around through JWST data and finding all of these pictures coming out of, of the telescope. And then thanks to people like Judy Schmidt, who I did an interview with last week, there's a lot of great pictures. And we got a second picture of the pillars of creation taken by JWST. This is, of course, the very famous star forming nebula at the heart of the Eagle Nebula, the original picture by Hubble and then a follow on picture by Hubble, both were I'm sure your background of your phone. And then we got an image from JWST, which was just wonderful. And now we got another one. And what's really cool about this is that we've got two different instruments. So the previous image that you were looking at was taken by NearCam. And NearCam is showing the stars and is allowing you to look through the gas and dust at the near infrared wavelength that it uses. But this new image comes from MIRI, which is the mid infrared instrument on JWST. And this is, of course, that that palette that I mentioned, this is the Judy Schmidt Eldritch Horror uh, palette, which is very heavy on the greens, because that's the wavelength the, the that has been assigned to green, which is quite heavy in this image. And what's different with Miri over NearCam is that Miri is seeing in the infrared the cooler objects, and so the stars aren't very bright because they aren't giving off a lot of light in the infrared, but instead you're seeing the gas and the dust itself. And what's really different when you compare between the near cam image and the Miri image, you can see these clouds of sort of star forming material that is on the upper part of the picture. And that's just not visible in the near cam version. So you can really start to see these differences between them. I like them both. I think this is a great picture. And so if I told you last week to put this new image as your wa wallpaper, I take it back. This is your new wallpaper. Another meteor shower and a total lunar eclipse. All right. So remember back in June when I was mentioning that there might be the meteor shower of the century and there wasn't. Um, now, 
I, you know, we didn't get the thousands, tens of thousands of meteors an hour that we were hoping, but what we did get was a lot of additional fireballs. These are fairly large objects that are very bright in the sky. And I saw a lot of reports of people seeing these fireballs. And so there's another opportunity to potentially see some fireballs with the upcoming Torrid meteor shower. Now, normally this is like the lamest meteor shower, you get about five meteors per hour on a under perfect skies. And this year, we've got a full moon around the peak of the Torrids, which is going to make it even worse. But every few years, the Torrids can be a better meteor shower because there's this resonance between the Earth's orbit and where the cloud of material that follows the comet that left the particles that create this meteor shower. And so one of the predictions that we could see this year is more fireballs again. This is more of these really bright objects that leave a very visible trail. They almost look like they're popping and crackling. I've seen one in my life. And most stargazers will go years between seeing these fireballs in the sky. And so this is just another chance. And just like remember, right? Like, there's no guarantee that you're going to see this, but you miss 100% of the meteor showers that you don't stand out at night and watch. So if you're going to be around on November the 8th outside, you should definitely keep an eye for it. Now, that's just the peak. I mean, it can build up to that point and then sort of decline on the other side of it. But the astronomical event that I can absolutely guarantee is going to be the total lunar eclipse that is happening on November 7th and 8th, 2022. Unfortunately, not a lot of people are really well positioned to be able to see this upcoming eclipse. It's going to be visible to Asia, the eastern side of Asia, like think Japan, Thailand, places like that. And then you've got the west side of North America. So British Columbia, where I live, um, California, places like that are well positioned. And then you're going to be able to see less and less of it as you go to the east across North America. Hawaii is like perfect, like they're dead center in the middle of the eclipse area. So if you're living in Hawaii, this is your chance. And like seeing lunar eclipses are wonderful. So if you are in the affected area, absolutely go out. Now we've got links in the show notes for a place you can go and see the different times when you're going to be able to see the eclipse and what totality you'll be able to see. But if you can, then absolutely do because a lunar eclipse is always exciting. So I can't promise you fireballs, but I can definitely guarantee that you will see a total lunar eclipse. Radiation storms recorded in tree rings. One of the cool things about trees, and I'm sure you've done this, you cut a tree and you can see the rings inside the tree. And these are a record of the tree's growth. You count the rings, that tells you how old the tree is. But the thickness of the rings tells you whether the tree had a good year or a bad year on the amount of growth that it was able to add to itself during that year. But what's really cool is the trees will record the essentially the atmosphere of planet Earth year after year after year. And there's one very specific kind of atom that scientists are often looking for. It's called carbon-14. And carbon-14 is generated in the Earth's atmosphere when a very powerful radiation storm strikes the atmosphere. I won't go into the actual chemistry of it, but essentially you get this boost of carbon-14 
into the atmosphere of Earth. And then the trees, as they are respirating, they're bringing in this carbon dioxide, they are adding it to themselves. And so you can actually go back in time looking through the tree rings and measure the presence of this carbon 14. And so researchers have been able to build a record of solar storm events over the last say 10,000 years ago. And the most powerful of these are called the Miyake cycles. And it appears that there are about six of them that have happened in the last 10,000 years. The most recent of these is called the Charlemagne event, which happened in the early 8th century. And people around the world noted very strange things happening in the sky. And this matches up with when you see this spike of carbon 14 in trees around the world. But here's what's weird about this. These events don't seem to line up with the sun's solar cycles. So they can happen when you're at solar minimum, they can happen when you're at solar maximum, there's no rhyme or reason to it. The other thing, and this is the part that's kind of unsettling, is that the Carrington event, which is like the most powerful solar storm that we have on record, isn't in the tree rings. So either the Carrington event, which of course, like lit telegraph poles on fire, caused auroras that were visible from the equator, it wasn't strong enough to register on these tree rings, or there's some completely different mechanism than the Carrington event, something else is causing a radiation storm that is striking the earth and causing this. So uh, it's kind of weird. Now I'm going to be interviewing the researcher behind this. And so I will be getting a lot of my questions answered in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. More heavy elements from a neutron star merger. Now one of the most exciting events that we've had in astronomy in the last decade has got to be the kilonova. This is when two neutron stars collided back in 2017. And what was really exciting about this was that astronomers detected both the gravitational waves and the radiation from this collision. And so we got just a lot of amazing science happening at the same time. After these neutron stars collided, you got this wreckage in space that had a ton of gold in it. And this helped confirm that one of the main sources of heavier elements like gold probably comes from these neutron star mergers. But it's not just gold, you can have other heavier elements higher than iron on the periodic table of elements generated in these kilonova events. So astronomers did simulations of what kinds of heavier elements should be present in a collision between neutron stars. For example, they were looking for strontium, lenanthium, and cerium. And what they did, and this is the part that's really exciting, like this is science at its best, was they built this really powerful supercomputer simulation to figure out how much of these elements should be visible, where in the chemical fingerprint of it they should be visible. And then they did follow on observations with telescopes and actually found the presence of those heavier elements in the wreckage of the kilonova explosion. And then that helps show that we're starting to get a handle on how these events happen and what neutron stars are made of and how heavier elements are fused during these catastrophic collisions. If you like what we do, why don't you consider joining our Patreon? Now, Universe Today is a completely independent 
journalistic space and astronomy publication. I'm the publisher, but I'm not alone. I have a giant team of people who work with me. I have all of the writers who are working on stories for Universe Today. I have video editors, producers, audio editors, programmers. It's a big team. And I have to pay their salaries. And the way I do that is through the support of our patrons. They contribute money, and in exchange, I remove all the ads on Universe Today. You get advanced access to our videos and other special features. So if you want to support the work that we do, if you think an independent space news agency is important, go to patreon.com slash universe today and sign up. Insight felt a meteor strike. We've reported quite a bit on NASA's Mars InSight spacecraft. This is a lander that has been listening carefully for Mars quakes on Mars. And in December 2021, it detected a fourth magnitude quake seemed kind of normal. But with following observations, they realized that this wasn't a quake from the interior of Mars. This was actually from a meteorite strike hitting Mars. And after doing follow on observations with the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, folks at NASA were actually able to pin down the location of this event. They found the crater. And so you've got this, it's about 170 meter crater, which means that it was about a house sized object that crashed into Mars, like, like, think about the same size as the one that caused the Chelyabinsk detonation in Russia a few years ago. And what's really exciting about this is that you've got this fresh material on Mars, it dug down several meters into the regolith exposed it out onto the surface. And so you've got all of this material that has been deep down on Mars that could be harboring say life that hasn't been exposed to ultraviolet radiation from the sun yet. And so now it's just sitting there right on the surface of Mars or in the side of this crater ready for exploration. And so if there's like one place we could send a sample return mission or say uh, an astronaut with a rock hammer or a mass spectrometer, this would be the place. And so it's very exciting to think that Insight is so sensitive, it was able to detect this meteorite strike on Mars, and that they were then able to find the actual crater. A few quick rocket updates. Finally, we saw another launch of Falcon Heavy. It's been 40 months since Falcon Heavy has blasted off. And so this week we saw it take off with a classified payload for Space Force. So we don't know exactly what it was. But it was a very foggy day. A lot of people were saying it's kind of it was more like Vandenberg, which is normally a very foggy launch site when actually, you know, it was at Cape Canaveral. And you got just that really exciting double landing of the two booster rockets as they come back to Earth simultaneously. We didn't get the return of the central booster. It was expended on this mission, carrying the satellites to their final orbit. This was SpaceX's 50th launch this year, and we're only 44 weeks into the year. So that's pretty exciting. SLS is going to be rolling out on November 4th. And we mentioned they're going to be doing another launch attempt on Monday, November 14th, it's going to be a night launch. And like I said, I like their chances. Psyche is back. 
couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that NASA's Psyche mission was being held for an internal review. There were some problems. They didn't go into detail about what the problems were, but it was enough that the actual completion launch of the mission was in some kind of doubt. We got the news this week that everything is going to be fine. The mission is going to launch after all, and it's going to be on a Falcon Heavy. So maybe we'll see another Falcon Heavy launch in less than 40 months from now. The plan is Psyche is going to launch in October 2023. And of course, it's going to be flying out to the metal asteroid Psyche to characterize it. And what I really like about this mission is that when you think about we just had the DART mission, which crashed into a rocky asteroid, now we're going to get analysis of a metal asteroid. Now these only account for about 15% of the asteroids out there, but they are pretty dangerous because they're made of metal. And so they can impart a lot of mass when they strike. So good news. I'm really excited. like we might see metal volcanoes, or at least the after effect of metal volcanoes on Psyche, which would be amazing. So I'm really looking forward to this mission, as you could probably tell. All right, a few quick channel updates. I mentioned on this week's Q&A that the book club is moving forward. And the plan right now, very simply, is I've set up a group on Goodreads where you can come and join and you can recommend science fiction books or any book for me to read. And I will give you a review every couple of weeks in the Q&A. So come, there'll be a link in the description, come to the community, sign up and let me know what books you want me to read. And then I will read them and I'll give you my review because I think like at the heart of it, that's what everybody wants is, is to make me read their favorite books. And I can't wait to do that. I had a ton of really interesting interviews, of course. I interviewed Judy Schmidt to teach us all about astroimaging. I interviewed Lee Feinberg from JWST. And like I think it was like one of the most interesting interviews I've ever done. He had so much to say about the current state of JWST, the future of the observatory, what comes after with things like LUVOR, and then what comes after that, and then what comes after that. And it was, again, if, if you haven't watched that interview, you really should. And then I interviewed Dr. Michael Daly, who is researching the extremophile Dinococcus radiodurans, which is a kind of bacteria. And again, it was a fascinating interview. Try to ignore the parrot <laughs> in the background. Um and uh, but it was very fascinating about what kind of extreme life forms could be living on Mars today. All right, those were all the stories that I had today. I know I threw a lot of information at you. So of course, there are lots and lots of links in the description down below. You can also get even more space news in my weekly email newsletter. I send it out every Friday to more than 55,000 people. I write every word, there are no ads, and it's absolutely free. Subscribe at universetoday.com slash newsletter. You can also subscribe to the Universe Today podcast. There you can find an audio version of all of our news, interviews, and Q&As, as well as exclusive content. Subscribe at universetoday.com slash podcast, or search for Universe Today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A huge thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon and helps us stay independent. Thanks to all the interplanetary researchers, the interstellar adventurers, and the galaxy wanderers. And a special thanks to Josh Schultz and Andrew M. Gross who support us at the Master of the Universe level. All your support means the universe to us. All right, that was all the news that we had this week. We'll see you next week.